Hey guys, it's your host, Jumi Moses, and welcome to Award to the Wise, a weekly podcast where I drop some knowledge and tips on how to combat obstacles in your life and become the best version of yourself. I also discuss ways to develop compassion, empathy, and growth in the direction of love and acceptance for all. I promise you, it's positive vibes only. Welcome back to another episode of the Award to the Wise podcast. It's your host, Jimmy Moses, and thank you so much for tuning in. You were just listening to the song of the week, which is called Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm going to be leaving those details in the show notes should you want to check it out after listening to today's show. On today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Holly Copeland. Holly is a former conservation scientist turned certified human potential coach and neuromeditation teacher sound healer, and Reiki master. She's a practitioner and teacher of non-dual awareness and subtle energy meditation techniques and uses neurotechnology, Reiki, and tuning forks in transformative quantum healing experiences and in her coaching work. Holly's childhood passion for maps, the environment, technology, and spirituality initially led her to a 25-year career as a conservation scientist mapping the Earth's ecosystem with a GPS. Heartbroken by the state of the planet, coupled with a personal health crisis, she set out on a new path of healing and transformation. She shifted her focus from exterior to interior and rewired her brain to a state of resilience and joy. And that's exactly what I want to talk to Holly about today. I really want to get to the bottom of rewiring our brain so we can really find peace and joy. And most specifically, I want to talk about confronting fear and pain. I think in order to find peace and joy and find our inner compass or our inner GPS, we really have to be able to overcome some of our fear and some of the stories that we tell ourselves. So in our conversation, we talk about how can we become more in flow with life? How can we be one with our life? We also talk about confronting fear, like I mentioned. We also talk about the art of learning how to detach from external validation and external things. And we also talk about the true nature of self-love and how it ties into the present moment. 
And at the very end, we briefly talk about how she uses technology to monitor her brain waves during meditation. This is a very interesting and insightful conversation. I hope that you guys enjoy it. Let's get into today's show. Hi, Holly. Welcome to the Award to the Wise podcast. It's so good to have you here. How are you today? I'm so good. Hi, Jimmy. Thank you so much for having me on. It's wonderful to be here. Yes, I'm excited to speak with you. So first things first, I really want to learn more about your story and your journey. So how did you become um, a human impact coach and a neuro meditation teacher, I believe, amongst mm-hmm. all of the other wonderful things you do? But I just would love to hear more about your journey and, and how you this new path aligned with you. Yeah. So about three years ago, my life took a big 180 turn. Um, I had been a conservation scientist for the Nature Conservancy mm-hmm. for 20 years. And uh, around 2017, I just started to feel that that there was something that wasn't quite aligned. And I was also feeling just, just to be honest, to spare and sadness for the planet. Um, my work was because of my love of the environment and conservation. My work was, you know, nothing short of, you know, my little part to save the planet kind of a thing. Yeah. And I just was feeling in despair, like there'd never be enough time, money or resources to um, to really make an impact. And it was wearing on my heart. And so I guess I was in some kind of a, you know, people would call a burnout. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I also uh, got really sick and had mold poisoning. Um, oh, it was mold poisoning at the time, but um, it took me about eight months to figure it out. But I kind of was progressively getting sicker. Mm. And at the end of that, as I came out of the mold crisis and I figured out what it was and I started to get help, work with some amazing functional medicine specialists to get better. And I made some shifts in my job and started meditating um, and really started what I call this kind of journey within. Mm. And my, you know, my previous job had been about mapping the environment and the landscapes to try to understand where to conserve. And I started applying everything I knew as a scientist to trying to understand the inner landscape, my brain, brain waves, brainwave science, like what's going on in here, you know, (laughs) for list readers listening, for those listening, like what's going on in your head and how do we get out of our minds and the fog of our minds into like fundamental well-being and Mm. fundamental okayness. And I actually literally wrote at the top of my journal in 2018, my rewire my brain project. Mm. And I just took that on really seriously. Like I am not happy with all the narrative in my head, with all the self-talk. And I'd always tried to meditate and never quite been able to to do it. Um, And I took that on as a big project. And I I started, um, that led me into the path of wanting to coach. And I started training with the Human Potential Institute Mm. and becoming a human potential coach. And it worked so well, Jumi that I decided that I just wanted to spend the rest of my life helping others find that same peace, calm and clarity of mind. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just such an incredible story because, you know, I think with the pandemic, 
it's kind of forced everyone to start thinking about their well-being um, internally. And, you know, everybody's like, okay, you know, with work and everything, there's burnout, like you were kind of talking about at the um, beginning of your story. And then now people are like, okay, what else is, how can I calm my mind in the midst of chaos and like really hacking the mind, which I think is absolutely interesting. So how do we find our inner GPS, right? How do we find our inner compass? How do we um, sort of hack our mind or really figure out how our mind works? Because I feel like we have a whole universe inside of us and we're yet to explore that. Yeah, I love that. I think we do have a universe inside of us. And so how do we hack our mind? For me, the 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 first step is to know who and what we are, mm. which means to know ground zero. Like how can you how can you map the landscape if you don't know the map? If you don't yeah. know the piece of paper, you don't know what it's written on. Um and we have to find that place. And what I call it is we have to find the ground of our being, mm-hmm. our true knowing of who we really are. And the meditation practices that I studied stem from practices in Tibet called Dzogchen and Mahamudra. Mm-hmm. And they are exactly about that. They're about finding our true knowing, which is nothing simpler than finding the I before everything else, finding the awareness of self before Mm. it's colored by our experience right? and really returning to that. Um, And I'm, if you want, I'm happy to do a short few minute exercise because it's much easier understood in experience versus, yeah. 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 No, I totally understand it. I mean, I read in one of your articles where you were talking about how we all sort of play a fictional role, right? We get so caught up in our like who we are in term in in the eyes of the world, right? Um, like we have a job, we have friends, we have family. We're we're constantly playing these roles, and the more we play those roles, and let me know if I'm wrong, we get further and further away from the essence of our being. Um, so I, I guess that's what you're trying to say, right? About you know being able to find your inner um, compass is really being able to figure out who you are before anything else, like at your essence and at your core, correct? That's exactly right. So it's really this process of dropping the personhood or the personality. Mm-hmm. I mean, even just now, as you sit here listening, you know, for anybody listening and for you, if we just, if you just bear with me to just close our eyes for like a minute, And just drop everything that you know about yourself as if you were born in this moment and you knew nothing about your story, where you'd come from. And in that sense, you, if your eyes are closed, you wouldn't even know what a body was, Mm. right? All you would know is just this sense of I, of Mm. this awareness of being, right? Yeah. You feel that? Yeah, I have my eyes closed. I I really do feel that. Yeah, I feel peace. There's peace here, right? When we Mm -hmm. drop everything that we know about our story, this is what all the sages and wisdom teachers were pointing to, that our essential nature is actually peace Mm. and love. And it's only because we go out seeking, out with our attention 
into the object-oriented world mm. that we forget. It's like a forgetting of our own true nature as peace and love. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're you're absolutely right. I, I forgot where I read this the other day, or I don't know if I read it or I was listening to a podcast. And I think a lot of people are always, you know, constantly searching for peace and you know, I think someone had said, or in what I read, I can't remember, that we were born with an innate sense of peace. Like we don't have to go searching for it. That's our, that's at our core. That's at, at our essential nature, like you were talking about. So I think that is absolutely um, spot on. So one of the things I feel like gets the mind plays a lot of tricks on us has to do with fear. So can we dive deep a little bit into fear? Because, um, you know, when you were going through, like when you had that burnout and you had that feeling of overwhelm and also being, um, having mold poisoning, was there a sense of fear when the, all of those things was happening and how were you able, able to overcome it? Oh, yeah. There was fear and doubt and, you know, blame and guilt. It was, there was a lot of that sadness, a lot of yeah. deep sadness. Absolutely. Um, and I love that you brought this up to me because for me, it's so important. And so once we have the ground, once we know that our true nature is essential, is essentially peaceful and calm. So where that takes us is to know that fear is something we're experiencing mm or an, like, a, like an object in that sense. Thoughts are something we experience. Mm. Fear is something we experience. And so we start with ground zero to know that your infinite being, your true being is infinite and whole and actually doesn't need fixing. Your, mm. your infinite being is already okay. And when you know that, when you can really feel that at that most essential nature, there's nothing to fix. Mm. Now what happens is you can start to do what's like a somatic journey into your body and feel fear arising as a vibration or a felt sensation. And that gives you the capacity to start to work with it. And the simple shift, for example, is rather than I am afraid or I am sad and it feels like we're being consumed by mm. that emotion, like we and the sadness or we and the fear are one thing, mm. we actually start to see that what's really happening is that fear or sadness is arising like a wave in an ocean of our essential nature, which is good. Mm. And we get this new capacity to be with it and allow it and start to feel it. So fear is just a vibration in our body that got frozen in time because we couldn't process it. It was too hard and it's sort of stuck there and it's a part of you. And when you bring this infinite calm capacity, it's like you can bring your loving, compassionate heart into it and just be with it. And it just sort of melts and opens. Mm. So it, it's like we stop running away from the fear, a simple way to say it is, and we actually turn around and we say, oh, wow, there's fear here. Mm. And in the act of seeing, 
it unfolds. And Krishnamurti, a famous sage, said, the seeing is the doing. And the reason that fear persists or sadness persists is because we keep pushing it away. Yuck. Mm-hmm. I don't want to feel that. And it just gets stronger, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it gets worse. And when we just turn around and we see it and we be with it, we literally just be with it, then we open our, it's like we open our hearts to it and it just sort of melts and caves in because it isn't really, it's not really self-existent. It was just a vibration was there. So um, just to make sure I'm completely understanding you, because I feel what you're saying and I do understand, but I just want to make it plain Mm -hmm. for the listeners. So would you say that fear in that moment, you're observing it as an object separate from your being? Because we tend to, when we feel fear, um, we tend to, it it feels like it's a part of who we are, right? And I guess it makes us more scared and we run away from it. Um, So in that moment, um, because I I believe I read this in your article as well, is is fear the object that we are observing? Or do you have a better way of of putting that? Yeah, ultimately, actually, it's all one, because ultimately, there's no separation. Ultimately, we're, there's only one infinite being, you and I are actually interconnected, we're not separate, because, okay, but, but we do kind of make a, a concession. And we look at fear as as an object in order to see that it's not really who we are, we see the illusion, and we see through that. And then, and that allows it to dissolve. So in the Buddhist traditions, it's like a thorn to remove a thorn. We have to kind of see that we're separate to allow it to dissolve. Ultimately, it's just one thing. Right, right. No, that's powerful. So another thing I wanted to talk about was this whole idea of attachment. Because we Mm -hmm. talk about, you know, we started off talking about finding our inner compass. And I think sometimes that's hard when we are so attached to things that are happening in the in our external world, right? We're so attached to achieving our goals. We're so attached to our family and friends. And I'm not saying that these things are necessary, necessarily wrong, but we put a lot of our self-worth into those things, which tends to disrupt our you know, inner compass and our mental health sometimes. So can you talk a little bit more about attachment and do you work with clients on how to, to learn the art of detachment and why that is significant? Yeah. yeah. And attachment, it's so key. It's one of the fun, fundamental Buddhist principles of, of, of letting go. Right. Mm-hmm. Of, of, and, and I like to think of it cause I, I'd heard about letting go. I mean, most people have like good, let go, let go for my whole life, but I never mm-hmm. really understood how to how to operationalize it, right? How to really, and what that means. So it's such a good question. Um, And what it comes down to is this. If you can start to allow life to happen, Mm. rather than trying to control outcome, just like you're saying, that's where the problem is. We keep trying to make the external world okay so we can be okay inside right yeah. like if i just get all these pieces in place right you know the furniture is perfectly arranged in the room then i'm finally okay and this model is learning how 
to be okay, no matter what's happening. The -hmm. furniture could be in disarray, but your inner compass and light is so strong that it doesn't actually affect you. You're like, it's like a superpower, to be honest. It's like true superpower, hero, wisdom. And so, but in order to be that superhero, you have to step into this place of, of allowing what's happening in your environment without trying to control it. Right. And here's where it gets tricky because people can think that that means that you're, um, that you're like jello and you don't care. Right. And that's not it. That's a really common misperception, but that's not it. Right. Cause there's all kinds of heinous, awful things that humanity is doing to each other. Injustices all the time. Right. And we're not saying that the injustices don't matter or anything like that. That is not what this is saying. What this is saying is in every moment, can you actually be with what's happening? Because by the time it comes to you and you're in this, whatever is happening for you right now, I mean, think of, stop and think about this. It's actually just what's happening. Mm. So you stop and you literally pause and you meet with whatever's happening and just your you respond from a place of wholeness and okayness that meets it with a kind of like, okay, how am I choosing in this moment to respond what wants to unfold within me? It also, there's an aspect of, I can't help but saying it's like allowing source consciousness or the divine or God, whatever you want to call it, this, this infinite, this infinite being within you Mm. to unfold in its, it's intelligent. It knows it's got your back. And so to allow it to kind of move and work through you and let that egoic problems solver the thing that always wants to solve the problem in the world that's where I really got caught up because as a conservationist I just was a consummate problem solver there's problems all over the world let me bring my fix it you know fix it mentality to it and this is like it's it's not that you don't stop help but you help from it you shift your perspective from wholeness and you help from a different place that can literally just this is what's happening. How am I going to choose to respond? Right. Does that, how does that land for you? It lands really well. Cause I mean, what I'm getting from it and just from my own personal practice as well, I tend to just kind of look at everything as an experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even when, cause we all have goals, like I said, like we're working towards and we have things that we are expecting to achieve. And sometimes when, that falls short or it's going to take a little bit longer, that can be very disappointing. But I think that I've recently, I've really just been like, okay, like I've been an extreme observer of my life um, and just kind of letting things flow, um, like just hopping on that wave and just going with the flow, not from a place of, oh, I don't care about my life. And, you know, like you said, that misconception, but from a place of I'm at peace. And also realizing that um, we're always chasing happiness. 
And when I get this, I'm going to be happy. When I get this, I'll be less stressed. And I just realized a couple of weeks ago that happiness is now, that there's life is always going to have a little bit of a challenge, even as you get to, you know, the next level or a better level, however you want to define that for yourself. But happiness is now and it's it's also a choice. So again, with everything that you're saying, I, I totally um, I, I totally resonate with with all of that. I love that. Exactly. Happiness is now. It, it's like we stop the project of looking for happiness outside of ourselves. Yeah. And yeah. we call it, we see that it's an illusion. It's just, you'll never get to the end of that rainbow. It yeah. truly will always be in front of you if you seek it outside. And if you just stop in the now and feel into your own essential being, which is love and peace, if you can really just find that place, you see that true happiness is right here and always has been. Right. So that kind of segues me onto my next question, which I really want to get into self-love, right? Mm. Because realizing that happiness is now and loving your life now, I think is is an act of self-love and self-acceptance of wherever you are in your journey. So I know that that's something that you talk about a lot, that self-love is, you know, important for not just the person who's loving themselves, but for the collective. So could you just talk more about self-love and how that ties into the collective? Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up because it's such an important question also. And it's something I see with a lot of people I work with that, that it's a key issue that they're, they just at their core because of the way they were raised in childhood, you know, a lot of blame, a lot of guilt, a lot of trying to be good or do the right thing. And there's just a lot of people out there who don't feel that sense of their own self-worth, right? Like, I am a worthy human being. I am enough. I belong. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that we source that actually from within, that we, we have the place we have to find it is within. We can't, we have to stop looking at the external world for somebody else to tell us that we're worthy. Right. And then in order to do that, we have to kind of go, this goes back to what we were talking about of feeling our feelings and feeling fear and feel when sadness is present, it's actually an act of radical Mm self-love to just say, oh, wow, sadness is really present and feel that feeling and allow it without pushing it away. Uh, Pema Chodron, a famous Buddhist nun, says, feel the feeling, drop the story. Mm, And what I found, yeah, what I found in my practices when I started doing that, like, and just pause, stop, close my eyes, feel the wave of sadness, and it kind of comes through like a wave, Mm. but don't attach any story to it. Can you just like sit and really feel it? And what I found is it moves really quickly when there's no story, that the story itself is what perpetuates, you know, why did he do this? Why did they do that? Right. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're that we're making the mistake. We're putting the blame. The reason I feel sad is because somebody else did something to me. Mm -hmm. This is true sovereignty. This is true freedom to look back at our own being and take responsibility and just be with it. You can bring your own. So self-love is, and there's a lot of confusion around even that word, what that means Yeah, is really self-acceptance. Mm. 
I am okay however I am. Mm. Truly, you are okay however you are. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's powerful because it took me some time to really figure out what self-love was. I used to think, you know, people talk about self-love, self-care all the time. And I was like talking about it and I had like some sense like, oh, you love yourself. But sometimes you know, at a basic level, you're thinking, oh, I just have like the utmost confidence. And like, that's really what it is, like building more confidence. But self-love, confidence, I think, is a after effect of actually really loving yourself. But I think at its core, like you said, self-love is really just being able to accept yourself 100% where you are in this moment, not hoping to change before you feel worthy of love, feeling that you are worthy of love in this moment right now in the present. And it took me a while to figure out that that's what actually self-love is. Yeah. Um, and I love your, what you said about self-love because that very, I think you're just hit the nail on the head. That's exactly it. Just really in this moment now, everybody who's listening, can you just accept yourself as you are, mm. you know, whatever, you know, and then we start to realize like there are actually a lot of barriers to that for a lot of us. Yeah. You know, we, our parents didn't whatever, bless them. But they, you know, they had their faults too. And we had to conform in some way. We somehow weren't good enough, you know? And yes, I had to, I had to confront a lot of that. And how did I do that? Um, I, as I had mentioned earlier, I, I dove deeply into meditation. I mean, meditation is a beautiful practice for just allowing yourself to stop and just be with whatever's happening. Mm. I highly recommend anybody listening that, you know, having a meditation teacher um, coming, you know, becoming a part of a community is so important because you need support when you're doing this work. You know, I didn't do this alone. I had teachers and mentors in a community that helped me so that, you know, I remember laying in bed one morning and I was just in despair I don't even remember why, but I was. And I remember thinking, I'm so worthless. Just like, why don't you just put me in the trash can and put me out with the trash this morning? Because Mm -hmm. that's how I feel. And I literally felt that way, you know, and I, and I went upstairs and I texted my teacher and I was like, I feel like I should be put out with the garbage because I don't even understand why my life matters, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, it's, it's that hero's journey of going through feeling all those feelings. Like that is the journey, Mm. you know? So if you feel in despair, if you feel in fear, you know, recognize what, what I, what I teach and talk about is that with my clients is that fear and pain is a signpost calling you home. Mm. That's your, that's your note, your internal notice that something's not well. And rather than run away from it, can you see it as a gift Mm. of your, the gift to your freedom? Mm. Yeah. And, and then start to work with it in that way. Again, turn around, feel it. Right. And ask yourself, you know, is this, what's, what, what is the fear trying to say? Is it a story? Is it a belief I'm holding of unworthiness? What's the core belief underneath the fear or the sadness that's keeping it held in place inside you? Right. And is that story true? You know? Right. 
And, you know, once you confront that story, does that help you? Will that aid in someone being able to let go of whatever trauma they might have suffered in their past? Right. So once we bring to consciousness, like I have this fundamental story of unworthiness, exactly. Then you can start. Now we have something we can work with because now you see it. And it's got the light of day. Right. And yeah, and then you can start to let it unwind within you. And again, self-inquiry, ask yourself, is this really true? Am I really unworthy? You right. know, right. and every single one of us at our core is love, is peace, right? Yeah. So yeah. we know the answer. Yeah, we just have to, <laughs> we just have to be confident enough to, like understand that we do know the answer. Um, It is a part of our being. That is, that's awesome. Well, you know, I think the best part about the work that you do is the fact that you started off as a scientist and now you're really in the line of spiritual modalities. So can you talk a little bit more about um, that intersection, right? Combining ancient wisdom with science. Because, you know, people like to keep those two things separately. And I'm like you, I think that they can definitely be brought together for fantastic use. So can you just talk about that and, and, and why you think that's important? Yeah. Um, I, that's a great question. So I, um, you know, started by using my science just to understand like the brain and brain waves. So things like understanding that a fundamental understanding that really helped me was okay, we have these different brain waves, you know, delta, beta, alpha. And for example, this crazy thinking mind that we're caught, that so many of us are caught in is being caught in kind of a high frequency beta brainwave state. And what, in order to feel more peaceful in our own minds, we need to kind of start to to lower those brain waves into mm-hmm. the realm of theta and alpha. A much, that's where that calm clarity Um, state comes from. And so that was so helpful for me because it gave me a pathway when I meditated and I I love um, using, you know, technology to help assist meditation. So I, one of the things I did when I started meditating was use a a headband called the muse that would help tell me when I was in that high beta brainwave state. And then it would also help tell me when I was in a calm state. Um, And that, just that little tool I found so helpful mm. in terms of hacking, if you will, meditation, at least in the beginning. And it, it goes much deeper than that now. And there's there's all kinds of places to take it. But in the initial stages, I found it really helpful. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Holly. But before I let you go, final words of wisdom to the Award to the Wise listeners. Thank you so much. I just enjoyed this conversation immensely. So thank you, Jimmy. Um, My word to the wise is the place to start is to find your true nature, to find your ground zero, because that's where every, that's where all knowing springs from. If we don't, can't find our center, then we're just lost in the forest, literally. Yeah. And so, and, and it's simpler than you think. I mean, it's as simple as closing your eyes and dropping every story that you've ever told about yourself, anything that you know about yourself, and see if you can feel this intelligent, awake presence that is loving, 
and that is kind and that is your essential nature. Yeah. Just start to really have, just start to really drop into that space to feel this loving presence that's your true nature, that's at the core of every single person's true nature. And it, it will never fail you, it can't go wrong. It loves you just as you are, because you are it. Mm. That is powerful. Well, thank you so much, Holly. This was a wonderful conversation again, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. You too, Jimmy. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode with Holly. I hope that you guys enjoyed it. If you want to find out more about Holly or follow her, you can find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or LinkedIn at HeartMindAlchemy. Instagram is a little bit different. It is at HeartMindAlchemist. I'm going to be leaving those details in the show notes for you to check out. And we're going to end today's episode with the song of the week, which is Under the Bridge by Red Hot Chili Peppers. You know what it is. Till next time, peace and love. Always, always, always. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to rate and review this podcast. And if you're truly loving this podcast, I suggest you follow us on Instagram at a word to the wise pod. Also, if you have any suggestions about episodes or things you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, please feel free to email a word to the wise pod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.